Serving is minimizing ourselves to prefer others. And did you catch the statement, that's just what Christians do? Why do Christians do that? Why is that something Christians do? Because it's what Jesus did, and it's what Jesus does. I mean, I want you to imagine as we're honoring our veterans who are so worthy of our recognition and appreciation, and we express that today, and now let's take our focus to the ultimate sacrifice of God who did not deserve to die, who came and entered into humanity to be the examples that our veterans could follow, that the rest of us could follow, that we would minimize ourselves to prefer the lives of others. It's totally what we want to talk about today. But I want to ask you, with one more expression of appreciation, can we honor this King of all kings, this Lord of all lords, Jesus, who set that amazing example? Jesus! We love you, Lord! Here's what, here's what takes and brings this fascination even beyond our place of appreciation that Jesus not only became that humble servant, but he continues, think about this, he continues to be that humble servant through our surrendered available lives. Like this is a big deal. How many of you are not as loving as you should be sometimes? Just raise your hand. Some of you driving to church today, okay? Uh, how many of you are not as serving as you should be? Just raise your hand. How many of you are not as giving as you should be sometimes? I mean, all those things, he's, he's nicer than we are. And I just want you to get this as we talk about what we're going to enter into in Scripture today. Jesus is more loving than we are. Jesus is more serving. Jesus is more giving. Jesus is kinder than we are. And so the problem is we've taken the idea of the gospel and we've formulated this expression to be getting people to act nicer than they really are to represent God well. And that's actually deception. That's, re that's religious deception. That's not what God asks for at all. God wants us to be honest about the fact that we're not as loving as he is so that he then can be loving through our surrendered available lives and the world can actually experience God's love through our surrender, not our fake presentation of the best love we can do. Now that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That gives me hope because I don't have to act like I'm something I'm not. I simply need to surrender to who he truly is. And that's what we want to do. So I want to ask you, pass your books down, take out your note cards. Today I want us to see this amazing servant named Jesus revealed in Scripture. We've been on this journey together for months. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, the Scriptures speak of me. The New Testament had not yet been written. He was talking about every book of the Bible that we would ever hold in our hands. It speaks of Jesus. Genesis speaks of Jesus. So we started this journey. It's all online. Anytime you go to read your Bible, go online and you will get a 30 to 40 minute uh, message 
about that particular book, and each week we have looked at a, another book in the progression of Scripture, and we're now into the New Testament and the second gospel today, but every book uniquely reveals Christ. It's amazing when we start to see this. Uh, we evaluated, actually, it's interesting, because where we are now is the book of Mark, and there are four gospels. That means there are four gospel accounts of who Jesus is to humanity and who He is uh, for our world to see and know. Each gospel presents him differently. It's really interesting to me when we were back in the book of Ezekiel a while back and we saw Jesus revealed in the book of Ezekiel, we saw that Jesus was revealed by the four faces of God. Do you recall that? Those of you that were here. And so there are four faces revealed in the book of Ezekiel and we evaluated those four faces and how they were an expression of Christ. Guess what? Those same four faces are revealed as the four gospels. It's the same parallel of those faces revealed. And so it's really unique what we'll see. Last week we evaluated the book of Matthew. And if you remember, it starts with this lineage, this genealogy, because the genealogy was incredibly important to the Jews. And Matthew was written specifically to the Jewish reader, to the Jewish audience, because there was a communication that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he came through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's son, Judah, that whole progression uh, was an amazing progression that you can read right there in the book of Matthew because there was a presentation of Jesus being revealed in the face of the lion. The lion was one of the faces of God that we look back in the Old Testament to see. Today we see the face of the ox as revealed in Ezekiel. The face of the ox is the true servant that plows the ground, works hard to serve the needs of others. And so Jesus is revealed in the book of Mark as an obedient servant. Uh, next week we'll see in the book of Luke and Jesus is revealed as the Son of Man. Have you noticed this in the Bible? Like Jesus is sometimes called the Son of Man and sometimes He's called the Son of God. Why do they do that? Why do we see both of those in there? Because He's all man and all God. He's all God and all man. He's the mediator between humanity and deity. He's the only one who could come and bridge the gap. Your hope is Jesus Christ for all of your life and all of your needs and all of your situation. Our hope for all of humanity, His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. Now let's give Him praise. You cannot give him too much praise. And by the way, I saw somebody post something online this week, and I thought it was a profound statement. You and I are not guests in the house of God. We are sons and daughters seated at the table of the Lord. Come on, we came in this place as not as a guest. We are sons and daughters, and we're pressing into the presence of God. He wants us to know uh, the revelation of Christ as revealed in His Word, and so we want to embrace that. So Luke will reveal next week, and I'm very excited. I've already been looking at that and evaluating. It's, it's going to be my favorite of the four to present to you as, a, as our church family, but it is how Jesus is the Son of Man. Luke's the only outsider that wrote uh, a, a book of the Bible of the New Testament. He was a Gentile. That that's hugely important. We'll see that. And that presents Jesus as one that could relate and identify to all of us, anybody, Jew or Gentile. And then the final book of John will reveal that uh, Jesus is the Son of God, a deity revealed in the face of the eagle. So you have those four faces as revealed in Ezekiel, revealed in these four Gospels, and I want us to see that Mark is the shortest Gospel of the four. It's written to the Romans, and it reveals Jesus as an obedient servant 
of God. That's your first blank on your card. If you'll write that in, I want you to be able to remember these things. Go back. I hope you keep these cards and reference them. You'll have 66 books of the Bible that you can reference in card form, as well as all of these notes, the blog and so on, online, the sermons. You can get uh, all of that at destinychristian.com. Now, I want to I want to just be upfront with you about where I'm driving us today and the conclusion that I want to drive us all toward for the month of November. Um, you will find in the lobby, all over the lobby, these thank you cards. And so today, every week, we don't want to just give you inspiring messages. That's really not what church is about. Now, a lot of people have reduced church to a place of having inspiring messages. So others have ground and acts to drive toward a certain agenda. Uh, the bottom line is it's a place where we glorify God, dignify each other, and the kingdom of God should expand in the earth as a result of our surrendered available lives. So that's church. I mean, no church should change the world. People's lives should be different because of you and because of me as we follow the example of this wonderful servant, Jesus. So what I'm going to do is drive you toward taking these cards. I'm going to ask everybody to pick them up on your way out. Take at least one. Your assignment each week is to write a very specific thank you to somebody sharing the love of Christ, sharing uh, your heart to love. You don't, have to write, this is the, you don't have to write a bunch of Jesus stuff in the card. You don't have to write a single scripture. Okay? Christians don't have to always insert religious rhetoric to be expressing God's love all the time. You understand? Like, just relax. Be you. Just be you. That's enough. God doesn't need you to be somebody you're not. He needs you just to relax and be you. So tell somebody who's been a blessing to your life this week, thank you. Take a card and do that as an expression of our adoration to the Lord, our worship to Him, our dignity to others. Okay. Now, I, I'm saying that because this is our focus for the month of November as we're driving toward Thanksgiving. How many of you are ready for Thanksgiving where we all eat way too much and we prove ourselves gluttons and ask Jesus to forgive us as we gather that following Sunday? So it's going to be great. Um, the, the thing that we want to do each week in the month of Thanksgiving is focus on being thankful, and that's one way to help us all remember that, to write those cards. Every week we'll have those. But I actually had somebody contact me this week, and, and they have made an offer, and I want to share it with you. I'm excited because it is the month of uh, November that this offer has come to us as an expression of generosity and partnership. And this, this individual said they really want to see us make great progress on our building, and they want to make a matching donation so that all of us who give in the month of November, our giving will actually be matched up to $10,000. So first, I just want to say thank God for his provision. Why don't we celebrate that? Thank God for a $10,000 matching blessing. And let me just encourage you, particularly over these next few weeks, if you've not been a part of this or if you have, you know, whatever, but I want you to just prayerfully consider what does the Lord want you to do in accomplishing this. We are all in for the next gen. We really believe in raising up the next generation. And so that's what this focus is. That part of the building behind the coffee bar area will be finished. All of our kids will be over here instead of in the nursery, in the classrooms. It's a really important project for us as a church. Trust me, it's a biggie. Uh, so I want to ask you in the course of this month, prayerfully consider how you can make a sacrificial gift. For some people, a sacrificial gift for the month may be $20, and that might truly be a sacrifice. You know, God actually is the one who sees all of that. Not me, not anybody else. So you do as unto the Lord 
what the Lord's stirring in your heart. But let's give sacrificially this month. Others that have uh, more means, perhaps their offering would resemble the matching offering that's come. You know, I don't know what that looks like for everyone, but as a family, I just believe God's going to provide and we're going to get there. So I was excited to share that with you today. So in regard to the whole aspect of serving, loving, and giving, in a way that we honor the Lord and ask God. I mean, who's, I, I didn't say this in the first service because, you know, I don't always like to brag on my, uh, the times I do it right. How many of you know I do it wrong a lot? Uh, but sometimes we get it right. Anybody can relate with that? Um, yesterday, I actually noticed an individual that as she drove through an intersection, I saw her tire was almost flat. And I thought, oh, she's almost on the rim. And, and then she pulled over. And so uh, I went over there and just said, hey, let me help. It was pretty close to my house. I said, I've got an air tank. I can go get that. And I came back, and I, I aired up her tire, and it was going out almost as fast as I was airing it up. And I brought a floor jack so I could get her back on the road. She was a nurse doing home health care. And, and um, you know, honestly, by the conclusion of the whole thing, I had her tire changed, and she was not even from around here. She had made a trip from out of town to come do Saturday visits for people that were in need. And by the time I got her tire changed, and, and uh, she, she was standing there, and she was holding her purse. And she said, um, can I give you money? I, I, you know, thank you so much. I, it just helped me so much. And, and, and I said, well, just let me hand me your checkbook. I'll just take care of what you write. <laughs> no, I, I just said, I wouldn't think of it. And I didn't feel like I had to, listen carefully, hear me. I didn't feel like I had to give her a bunch of my religious rhetoric. I really think the church is missing this. Like, do you understand, if you're spending time alone with Jesus, you have fire in your eyes and weight in your words, and the kingdom is of substantial expression in the earth. Like, don't feel like you've got to insert a WWJD everywhere. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's okay. And so, I mean, I just expressed what I think Jesus would have wanted me to express and this lady was so thankful, and she was trying to pay money, and I was just like, no, man, just thank you for helping these families, and you know, I know it's your job, but go on, be blessed, and get your tire fixed, you know, go. I mean, the, this is like the, the expression, God just wants us to learn to serve. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when I saw the tire going down, I didn't feel like, oh, you know, I'm so wonderful, this is just what I do. I felt a prompting of the Lord to help the lady. I don't know if I would have helped the lady. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't know if I would have helped the lady if I didn't feel the Lord was asking. You know, he's nicer than we are. He's more generous with our time than we are. He's more generous with our money than we are. He's more generous with our relationships than we are. I mean, if we can just learn to follow his example, this is the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm fed up with religiosity that tries to get people to act like something they're not. I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. Like, stop that. Don't try and fake people out to think you're good. Admit you're not. Like, it'll let them off the hook. I, do you get what I'm saying? Like, stop trying to pretend anything and just, just admit, you know what? I'm not nice enough to stop and change your tire, but I felt like God told me to, so there you have it, you know? That's like the gospel. That's the gospel. This is the real deal gospel that I'm talking about. And that's the servant Jesus that wants to serve, love, and give through our surrendered, available lives. So what, what we see in the, in the book of Mark, in the gospel of Mark, is that Jesus is revealed as the servant. And right up front, in the very beginning, the first thing we see, I mean, it just jumps in to Jesus serving the needs of hurting broken people. 
The whole book is all about the servant Jesus, and you'll see it as you read the Gospel of, of Mark now on your own. But we look in this, the very first chapter, chapter 1, verses 33 and 34, it says, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. He would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So Jesus is just like right off the bat, Mark is revealing Jesus as the servant who jumps right in, ministering to the needs of people. He didn't go into the genealogy in the book of Mark. Why? Because he wasn't writing to Jews. It wasn't a, an issue. Also because he was revealing a servant, and a servant has a very humble origin, and there is no need to express their lineage because they're a servant. So it begins with the book of Mark as an expression of Jesus serving the needs of others, and it ends with the book of Mark showing Jesus essentially which is the expression that the servant's job is finished and now he's returning home. This is a really important phrase and I want to just ask you to think about this. Let this sink in a little bit. Don't just like, uh, you know, hear it and say, oh, it's another ism because I, I think and speak in isms. But this is one of those very important isms and we need to understand. Jesus set the example. Jesus set the example. And now it is up to us to put into action what Jesus set into motion. Now it is up to us to put into action. How I many you know faith and action are married together? Faith without works, dead. It's up to us to put into action what Jesus set into motion. So my question as we talk about this today, are you the type of person I, and now, see what I'm doing is I'm giving you ideas, but now I'm about to land on you, okay? Just look at your neighbor and say, he's about to come your way now. Just tell him. Okay? So we got the idea out there, but now I want to ask you to think about this, this in your direction. Are you the type of person that the people around you who know you perceive you to be an individual who serves the lives of other people? Is that what you're like? Because like, this is a great idea. We're talking Jesus. It's excellent. But I, this needs to land and it needs to translate. And we've got to evaluate, like, is my life really all about the trendy trinity, me, myself, and I? Or is my life about the true trinity, God the Father, uh, God the, Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit that is alive and well and ministering through promptings in all of our lives? Listen, I'm telling you, if you'll pick up a card and pray about it, God will give you direction of who to minister to this week and express thanksgiving to. I just know that's how God is. Like, he's eager to minister to people. You see that in the first chapter of Mark. He's never changing. He's always the same. And so, at the bottom line, we need to be about the business of putting into action what Jesus set into motion. How many of you believe, can you finish the statement, actions speak louder than words? Let's say it together. Actions speak louder than words. So, I don't know if you heard... The lady uh, in Tulsa, the police had to issue a, an apology, uh, arrested her, and then had to issue an apology. They, I mean, it's pretty big news for a little while, but yeah, how many of you ever had, like, you're going through the intersection, the car in front of you, the light turns yellow, and you just think, get over it. Like, you know, this is not a crisis emergency, but they slam on their brakes. All of you could have gone through, Right? I mean, you've been there, I'm just saying, you know, and so you, you clearly could have made it, but they slam on their brakes, so then that makes you slam on your brakes, and now you're delayed by the time it takes for that whole light cycle to go through. 
And you're cussing. Not really. I mean, only a few of you. <laughs> only a few of us. <laughs> and, and so here the lady slammed on her brakes, and, and the police wound up arresting her because he said, in his sincere apology, he said, ma'am, I'm so sorry I arrested you erroneously, but when you stopped and that guy, I, I, you were started honking your horn and you flipped him off and you started shouting such obscenities and cussing like a sailor. And I, and I thought, whoa, she's mad. And then I realized you had a follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker and a choose life license plate holder and a WWJD plated care. And, and I, I realized this woman has stolen some Christian's car. That didn't really happen, by the way. <laughs> it should! <laughs> Say it with me again, would you please? Actions speak louder than words. So the absence of serving, here's your next blank if you're writing, the absence of serving reduces our faith to an argument about what to believe rather than a demonstration of how to love. Do you understand that statement? Like, that's pretty bizarre, isn't it? It's such a reality. The absence of serving reduces our faith to an argument about what to believe rather than a demonstration of how to love. And so you'll see we're starting to put some hashtag Destiny OKC on there. You know, these types of statements, particularly in a time of political um, hatred, Let's, let's all be clear, we're in a season in this nation of political hatred, and many in the church are buying into that, and we need to be very guarded that we understand, actually, the power of God is demonstrated through the unified church that comes together and understands this is a very important election. I, I want you to know how important I understand it is not just four or eight years, it's 40 or 80 years, Supreme Court justice appointments. I, I talked about all that last week. Please understand, I'm not minimizing what's going on there. I'm just looking at what I believe to be the greater focus of God, and that is a unified, powerful church that can pray and turn the heart of the king in the hand of God that fast. God can turn the situation around. If we as the church know who we are. How many of you believe that's true? So you need to vote your conviction and you need to take your stand. If you're involved in politics, you need to, to, to position yourself in that regard. And we as the church need to be engaged and involved in that. But we need to understand even more so that if we just fall into the expression that the world has, just let the enemy manipulate us into crazy reactions rather than really listening to the Lord and having a true response, then we're missing something <clears throat> that God is trying to accomplish. So I just want to say again, you might put it in your social media expressions. It's a good word for this season of, of, the, of our nation. The absence of serving reduces our faith to an argument about what to believe rather than a demonstration of how to love. Anybody heard any good political heated arguments lately? You heard it going on? Anybody been a part of that? You, you started it, huh? Right? I mean, it's going on in every direction. I, I, I probably speak for all of us politically when I say, I wish everybody could just have my opinion. I mean, I probably speak for everybody in the room, 
right? There's no way we can have all the information about what's really going on, but for some reason we feel obligated to have all the answers and all, you know, this dogmatic conclusion of we know what needs to happen. And, and, and I promise you, if you're put in a situation, there's going to be more to it than what we see from this angle and from this side. And so it's really re- uh, important that we handle this and manage this in a way that brings glory and honor to God, dignity into the lives of others, and helps bring what God is desiring in, in our nation. And so did you hear about that? Did you hear about that one guy who said, you know, he said he changed all of his political viewpoints because of that Facebook post? And I didn't hear about that guy either because that doesn't happen, okay? Uh, and so stop the, stop the social media ranting. Uh, it's, it's, that doesn't change. This is important. Your world is not changed by your opinion. Your world is changed by your example. Boy, that's an important statement, church. Your world will not be changed by your opinion. Your world will be changed by your example. You are not called to make a point. You are called to make a difference. It's easier to make a point than it is to make a difference. And it's easy just to yell and rant and make a point, but God's actually called us to make a difference. So don't settle for making a point when you're called by God to make a difference. So the burden that's in your heart, whatever it may be, actually is an expression that brings a clue to your call. Whatever you're burdened with. People get angry because, you know, no, other people don't seem to have my burden and, and we need to do this and we need to do that. Just stop and understand. When God gives you a cross, the cross fits your shoulder and you're supposed to bear that particular cross. Don't get mad at other people because your cross doesn't fit their shoulder. I'll say it again. What concerns you is a clue to your call. You know, no, uh, no bash to this particular family. Uh, we had a family in the church years ago, and they were struggling, and, and they had financial challenges, and had kind of been that way, you know, in their life, and, and just lived in a very impoverished area. Uh, and, and, and we embraced, you know, tried to do anything we could to help work with them, partner with them. And, and their car broke down, and the husband was the working individual in the family, and he couldn't get to work. And so that next Sunday, we gave them a car. And we not only gave them a car, we filled it up with gas, and we filled it up with groceries. And how many of you know they thought we were the greatest church in the whole wide world? They thought I was the most amazing pastor ever. Until about a year later, and they had the most curious conversation with me. Now, I want you to imagine this. Came in my office, sat down, and they said, Pastor... We're leaving the church, and we want you to know the reason why. Because we feel like the church just does not care about people that are impoverished. And I, you know, I didn't go into all the things that we do to help, and but I did say, like, didn't just a year ago. I mean, you know, how how do you get there? And let me let me tell you how. When your burden your concern, when concerned, when what concerns you becomes a complaint, the enemy has sifted the gift God has deposited into you to actually become a curse. You follow me. You know what they should have done? They should have come and said, we are part of a church that has a heart to reach people that are in our heart. How can we do this more effectively? Instead, rather than individually embracing what God had deposited in them, are y'all tracking me today? 
they, it's easier to make a point than it is to make a difference. Instead of individually embracing that and saying, how can we take responsibility? It's easier to institutionally assess blame and assess responsibility outwards. Someone else should be taking care of this. Why is the institution not doing this? We need the institution to take care. Listen, I'm going to tell you something about the institution. God never intended for the church to function as an institution. God always intended for the church to function as individuals who embrace Christ. We gather as the church, but you cannot go to church. You are the church. So let's be the church. Let's be who God's called us to be. When you see a need, don't let it become a point of bitterness. Reach out. Have you heard that verse? The kingdom of God is at hand. Life's greatest treasures are within your reach. And the needs that we're supposed to be helping with are the people that are immediately around our circle that we're looking into their lives and we're helping walk this out. So, 1 Peter 2.1, interestingly, I want to kind of bring you to a landing strip today. But it says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Did you hear that? Rid yourselves of these things of every kind. Now, there are a lot of, again, I'm just trying to pastor you through a political season. It's part of what we're doing here, but you need to understand the Bible says, rid yourselves of all, and it says specifically in this malice and slander. So when you start to malign or offer slanderous slurs and expressions because you're angry about somebody's position and how could they not see this, or you're missing the point. You might be standing for truth the way you're translating truth. But guys, it's, it's really not good. Pastor Nathan said to me one time as we were talking, he said somebody who's religiously strong about their firm opinions, they might be right, but they're dead right. Nobody wants to be dead, right? I mean, we want to have loving truth that actually brings transformation to our world. So rid yourselves of all this malice. Here's the thing. I'm going to go on in this text, but I just want to make the point as we get going here. Because like we pick pieces of the Bible that we want to really embrace. Isn't that true? And then there are other parts we read and we're, well, I'm not exactly, you know, okay, okay. We've got to go on. It's like we treat the Bible like a buffet. We pick the ones we want to leave the rest. Some, you know, all I'm saying is some Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they've decided to believe. Some Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they've decided to be. There's an overall context of Scripture that we need to see and we need to understand. 1 Peter chapter 2 goes on and it says, Submit yourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor as supreme authority or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish people. It is God's will that by doing good, it is God's will that by your actions you silence words. It is, it is God's will that you not merely settle for making a point in arguments and vanity of that, but rather let the actions of your life speak. It is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Everyone, show proper respect to everyone. I, every, I want you to think of anyone. Right now, you think of anyone, that's part of everyone, okay? Everyone, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now let me clearly communicate, there are times when the emperor would make demands that would 
intersect Scripture and contradict conviction, and there is an appropriate response to that. I understand that. But listen, I believe that in America, we've been so my rights driven that anything we don't agree with, we're we're quick to slander and malign and move away from what we read clearly in the Bible. Can anybody in this room just embrace where I'm going with this and help me release this in the atmosphere of this room into the body of Christ right now? Come on, I want to see the church rise up and be the wholehearted church full of truth, full of love, full of grace that God has called us to be. When Christians get more, oh, this is a good one, right in your blank. When Christians get more interested in winning arguments than loving people, we are no longer like Jesus. And how many of you know there are a lot of Christians way more interested in winning the argument than they are in loving people? Jesus set the example, and now it's up to us to put into action what he set into motion. I'm coming your way. Do people see you as the kind of person who serves others, or do people just see you as a hugely opinionated individual with little regard, compassion, or concern for the people around you? Because at Destiny, this is our goal. We have five core values. We make it a statement. We focus on it from time to time pretty regularly. And I want to ask you to say it with me. It's going to pop up on the screen. This is our goal. This is our objective. Anybody that attends this church for any length of time, this is what they should resolve. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. That's what God has asked us to do as a family. To love Jesus and allow Him to transform us that we would start by being outrageously loving people. We used to say our first core value is love. But then we realized that's just not strong enough. So now we understand our first core value is to be outrageously loving. We, we wanted to put a little shot to it. So I want to invite you that we'll grow deeper in our faith and our relationship with Christ, that we will understand you and I are called to make a difference, so let's not settle for making a point. Let's take whatever it is that's a burden in our heart that concerns us. It becomes a clue to our call. Let's make a difference in the lives of others. And I just want to honor and recognize uh, Greg Covell. And I've been talking with Greg a little bit about this, and we've been having some interaction and conversation for quite a while. And, and, and Greg actually translated this really, really well. Raise your hand, Greg, so everybody sees who I'm talking about. Sorry to embarrass you. Um, but Greg came and he said, uh, Pastor, you know, we've got to do something. The, the whole thing, I mean, all the division that happened it has been happening and, and police now being killed in their cars. And, and you know, I mean, th th this should not be going on. There's such division there. There's injustice in every direction and all of that whole scenario situation. And everybody's got, you know, angles to go from on it. And the bottom line, we need that authority and protection in our nation. We have to have that. And he, he began to share some of that. And, and, and it was interesting because our conversation, I just said, what can you do as an individual as opposed to an institutional conclusion? And he took that 
and he actually made these cards, and they have a prayer, and, uh, and, and it's an appreciation. And he and his family began to give those cards very intentionally to those that are serving our community. And, um, and he shared with me that he even gave one to one policeman that gave him a ticket, and his heart wasn't in that one, but he went ahead and did it anyway. So <laughs> was I supposed to tell everybody you're speeding? I didn't know if I was supposed to mention that. But confess your brother's faults to one to another or some. I forget the verse. But I just want to say how much I appreciate the fact that he shouldered the burden in a way that was constructive and became an expression into his world. What's your burden? How can you shoulder your burden in a way that expresses this example of Christ serving humanity? Would you stand with me? I know we've gone a little long today. I know we also have a lunch meeting that we're going to uh, break to here shortly for the community group leaders. But I just want to ask you, would you just take a moment with me and let's not just rush the conclusion because we've gone along. Just close your eyes, open your hearts. The most important decision you could ever make while you have the luxury and the privilege of breathing breath on this planet is have you come to the personal decision that you will follow Christ because He came and He lived and He died as the Savior of the world. Not that you figure it all out when you make that decision, but you say, I, I need a Savior. I know in my sin, in my sinful state, in the sin, sinful state of humanity, Jesus came to rescue humanity. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're here and you say, I need to make that decision today to follow Christ, I want to just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you before we move on. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Just quickly, anybody else? Hugely important decision. And would all of you just join with me as we pray in agreement with these that lifted their hand, let's all just say this out loud. What will be this prayer of salvation and a prayer of lordship? And we all need to make that declaration ongoingly of lordship of Christ. So, so pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you died, but you are alive. Your Holy Spirit is prompting me every day to be a part of your loving conversation. For God so loved the world. He sent Jesus and now is sending us. And I accept you are the Savior that I need in my life to rescue me from my sin. Be Lord of my life. Lead me in your truth. Teach me your ways every day that I live. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just celebrate this wonderful King, this tremendous Savior. This amazing servant, Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise, God.